Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. going to start when you start. Yeah. Well, you just started it. Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. And, hey, Eric. Hi, Eric. And uh, I'm your leader for this meeting, uh, as of about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> so our meeting topic is mending the hurt. And, and why don't I ask everybody to move up closer here? We've only got a few people in the room. Let's, uh, let's bring it up close so we can be personal and understand each other. And uh, please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Thank you. And I'll remind everyone that this is a tape meeting in the spirit of the 12th step. The tape recorder cannot be turned off. If you do not wish to be taped, we suggest that you choose another meeting in which to share, or feel free to simply listen at this meeting. And at this time, I'd like to introduce our speaker, Vron, who will share his experience, strength, and hope for about 10 minutes on the topic of mending the hurt. Thank you, Eric. I'm Vron. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Hey, Vron. I'm completely and utterly powerless over lust. I'm insane about lust. I know it produces guilt, self-hatred, remorse, emptiness, and pain. It takes me away from the love I so desperately want. But when I'm tempted by it, I just want to do it because this one's going to save me. I just want to do it because I can, I can do just a little bit and get away with it. Uh, very, very grateful to be sober and at a meeting today. Lately, I've really... God has really been speaking to me of his love for me, his love and care for me, and I'm just very, very grateful that God loves me. Um, And I think for my hurt, uh, many times if I go to uh, my Book of Faith tradition, there are parts of it that are very good for mending my own hurts. Um, I won't mention any of them. Uh, because I don't want to uh, bring outside interests in, but that does help me quite a bit. Um, other things that help me mending the hurt are, uh, of course, working with others. Bill says in the AA Big Book that uh, when he was downcast and f- felt hopeless, nothing would help him like dealing with a newcomer, like going to the hospital. Many times he had come back from the hospital uh, just feeling exhilarated and alive again uh, because he had, I believe, been doing God's work in the hospital, um, carrying the message. Um, Prayer and meditation, of course, help a lot. For me, music helps a lot and exercise helps a lot in in, uh, dealing with my own hurt. Uh, I need uh, my faith tradition calls on confession so if I do confession either with a pastor a priest or just another person just going to a meeting um, that helps mend my hurt a lot Uh, and I can't really overemphasize going to meetings meetings, 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 meetings meetings. that's somewhere in the essay white book right? Keep bringing the body, keep bringing the body, no matter how you feel. Uh, and it's important that you do the right thing regardless of how you feel about it. Just take the action. For me, many times, just going for a walk and listening to some music uh, many times helps me. Just going to a meeting or making a phone call. Uh, uh, getting on the SA online group can help a lot, too. 
So that's what I originally thought I was talking about. They told me mending the hurt, and that's what I was thought I was talking about was mending the hurt that was within me uh, after lusting or after acting out. Uh, but then I read the uh, description in the back of the book, and it says mending the hurt in the family, um, mending the hurt in your wife. And my first reaction is, I can't do that. We can't, we can't mend the hurt inside our spouse or anyone else we've hurt. Um, we can work the eighth and ninth step, and uh, that's the best we can do is work the eighth, ninth, and tenth, really. Stay sober and work the eighth, ninth, and tenth. So there's two chapters in the AA Big Book that really help. Um, Into Action, which talks about uh, working the eighth, ninth, and tenth step, and then the family afterward. gives good concepts on living with someone that you've really hurt and sort of coming out of the hurt. So I've underlined just a few passages I'd like to read and maybe comment on. Uh, when you're thinking about doing a ninth step, there may be some misgivings. As we look over the list of business acquaintances and friends we have hurt, we may feel diffident about going to some of those on a spiritual basis. Let us be reassured to some people we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach. I think that's good for their spouses and kids, too, just not to uh, lead with the chin, he talks a little later, but just make it about you and what I just need to make it about me and what I've done rather than um, the spiritual aspect. However, a couple sentences later, he says, our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So if I want to be of maximum service to God, I need to make those amends. Um, it's really important. Fear is the biggest problem I have with making amends. There was a talk on fear earlier in the conference, I think. Uh, one of the promises is gradually we will outgrow fear. Uh, I think it's good to uh, just pray about it and try to take the easy amends first, if, you, if at all possible, and then get into the heart of amends. Uh, many times after the amends, there needs to be a cooling off period. Um, and obviously we can't make any rule about whether a couple needs to separate or not. I think they say that in the big book. Um, that has to just be left up to each couple. Uh, I think it is helpful sometimes if the communication does sort of shut down for a while after the first disclosure because both parties need time to process it. When we're doing the ninth step, uh, the faults of the other person are not discussed. We stick to our own faults. If our manner is calm, frank, and open, we will be gratified with the result. So I can't look at my wife's faults when I'm trying to make an amends about mine. That's not what she has done. It's about what I've done. Uh, even though I may see some glaring things that she's done, uh, that's not the time to bring them up. Uh, this reminds me of a situation I had with my son. He's 20 years old, and uh, he's been used, using an illegal substance for several years, and... I get pretty upset about that. Um, I really, really wish he wouldn't use that. Uh, in the past, though, in my disease, I would do one of two things. I would either rage about it and just really let him have it loudly and clearly, and it would really be a horribly, horribly emotional thing. Or I would just stuff it and not talk about it at all. Um, a couple months ago, I had a, we went out to eat, we ate our meal, and after the meal, I very calmly said, Vince, I love you very much, and nothing's going to change that. I love you so much, but I'm really concerned about you uh, doing this activity. I don't think it's a good one for you, um, and gave him the reasons why in a clear, calm voice, and then at the end again told him that I loved him. And 
I also let him know that I wasn't there to try and change him, not there to try and beg him to stop doing this or to change his mind, but just to start a dialogue about it, to let him know that I disagreed with that. Um, I think it's important to keep keep the relationship open and keep the lines of communication open. No matter how I feel about it, I need to keep those lines of communication open if, if I'm going to help things change there. Um, on page 79 of the AA Big Book, a man we know had remarried because of resentment and drinking. He had not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life, had secured a position, and was getting his head above water. It would have been impressive heroics if he had walked up to the judge and said, Here I am. We thought he ought to be willing to do that if necessary, but if he were in jail, he could provide nothing for either family. We suggested that he write his first wife, admitting his faults and asking forgiveness. He did and also sent a small amount of money. He told her what he was willing to do in the future, and he said he was perfectly willing to go to jail if she insisted. Of course she did not, and the whole situation has long since been adjusted. I just really, really like the tone of that, that she was really hysterical, she was really hurt. She went to the judge to get a court order, and he wrote her a calm letter, frankly admitting his mistakes, asking for forgiveness, making an amends by giving a small amount of money and telling her that he was going to continue to give her the small sum of money each month is what I imagine. But the tone of that is so great. And really when I'm really upset, my best communication with my wife is text messaging because I'm not real good with it, so I don't get real long-winded. But if I can just give her a couple sentences at a time about what I'm upset about and uh, asking for her forgiveness, telling her what my wrongs are, asking for her forgiveness, it just helps me so much to have that distance. I think that's another good use of email, is to put some distance between myself and the other person. Does that make sense? Okay. Oh, about one minute. Then there's a chapter on the fam- family afterwards. Um, page 124, it says, or Henry Ford once said the wiser remark to the effect that experience is the, is the thing of supreme value in life. That, that is true if one is willing to turn the past to good account. We grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors and convert them into assets. So just facing and rectifying the air and converting it into an asset is how we grow in the program. So we need to keep doing that in the 10th step over and over and over again. Because we're going to make mistakes and she's going to make mistakes. A large part of this is just me forgiving her for what she's done and, she, and hopefully her forgiving me for what I've done. But really, I don't have any control about that at all. So that's all I've got. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ron. We'll uh, open the floor for sharing. Uh, because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing. If you wish to speak, please come up here and line up in these chairs so that we've got somebody in line. They, the meeting is being taped, and so let's try to make it flow so it doesn't have gaps on the tape. Uh, keep your sharing to two to three minutes, allowing everyone to share his or her experience and uh, stay about this distance from the microphone so that it records well. It's easy to do with the uh, speaker here. Uh, Our purpose in sharing is to discuss our experience, strength, and hope in recovery. We focus on the 12-step approach to recovery. We don't discuss other programs, philosophies, therapies, or occupations. We avoid mentioning specific titles or authors of publications other than essay-approved literature. We also avoid using abusive language or sexually oriented descriptions. Uh, Our emphasis here is recovery on the solution and uh, how we manage the hurt in, in the family afterwards. And the floor is now open for sharing. Thank you. Hi, my name is Louis, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hi, Louis. Uh, 
after 11 years as a member of SA and uh, good sobriety for uh, several years, um, I have uh, started last year uh, to uh, go on the internet. And uh, I have been using internet uh, as a way to uh, cure some personal problems, uh, fears, anxieties, and uh, difficulties uh, in my life. I've not been on the internet on a regular basis, but uh, let's say once every 15 days or w once every month, and only for looking at pictures. But uh, even if I have not masturbated, I realize that uh, it has been hurting me. It has uh, made my connection uh, with my higher power, with people, with life, uh, more difficult. Um, I've come to this meeting because in reading the, uh, uh, the description of the meeting, uh, it struck me that I was maybe missing something. Uh, at this convention, I've decided uh, that I needed to uh, surrender completely my right to the Internet. And in coming back to Montreal, I intend to stop my access, completely my access to the Internet because I'm totally powerless vis-à-vis uh, -vis the Internet. And it's the only way that I can continue my recovery. It says here, I'm just looking at pictures. Who is it hurting? I know it hurts myself, but... It also takes up. It also talks about recognizing and making amends. And I, every time I've been on the internet, I've told my wife that I've been on the internet. I've talked to her about how I felt, why I was going there, and my wife has been very comprehensive. She has helped me, not giving me orders or anything, but she has supported my efforts. But I realize that I've made efforts by myself. I've tried by my own will to stop the Internet. I've put some blocks and everything. I've shared at meetings. I've, But I have not really surrendered totally. So I need to do this. But I do not see clearly what amends I should make. I do not clearly realize what, how I could have hurt somebody else because maybe there's something I do not see, but I want to do this properly. So if somebody has some experience or ideas and wish to talk about why amends are needed here, uh, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Don, and today I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Hi, everybody. I'm pretty powerless over my lust for Internet pornography. For me, one picture isn't enough. 10,000. One picture is not enough, and neither is 10,000. One picture is too many. I'm sorry. 10,000 isn't enough. It was nothing for me to get on the computer at 5.30 in the morning and spend an hour before the family woke up and view pornography, engage in Internet chat and emails and such. And for me, I came into the program around June 20th of 07, and I couldn't wait until I worked steps 8 and 9 to start making my amends. I think I read somewhere that just coming into the program and stopping the negative behavior started the amends. But for me, I had to start mending the hurt because my wife always thought it was okay for me to look at pornography. That's just what guys do. And then after my discovery, actually the FBI came and took my computer and we had conversations. I was making emotional attachments with the pictures that I was looking at with the people that I was chatting with and exchanging my emails with, and I was making those emotional attachments at my wife's expense. 
That hurt her very badly. And I couldn't wait to steps eight and nine to figure out how to make those amends. I had to learn the tools of the program very quickly. And for me, the, the best tool that I learned to start making, to start mending the hurt right away was the, the language of empathy. Instead of isolating on the computer, I turned those negative behaviors into the positive of being there for her and being intimate with her. Not necessarily sexual relations, but paying attention to her the way that I would pay attention to pictures on the Internet. For example, when we sit and watch TV, oftentimes I will sit on the coffee table watching her instead of watching what's on the television. That makes her very uncomfortable. And she'll turn off whatever channel we're watching and put on one of the music stations instead. And then we start talking. And it's just paying that attention and it's also acknowledging my role in this. When she says she's angry with me or this or that, I do not get defensive. I say, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. I made these emotional attachments. I made you feel ugly. I made you feel unworthy, un unworthy of attention. I'm sorry. I know better now. And things will be better from now on. Learning the language of empathy and intimacy which I never would have known to learn, as opposed to lying, which I never would have learned if I hadn't learned the tools of the program. I'm only in the program six months, seven months, but my gratitude for the tools of the program, the language of empathy, which I learn in the rooms, because I hear other people share, and not so much during the meeting, but certainly after the meeting, engaging in that conversation, that empathetic, I know where you've been, I understand. And, uh, and that's the key for me is the language of empathy. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. I'm Bruce. I'm a grateful recovery sexaholic. Hey, Bruce. I have about four months of sobriety. I've been in the program about four years, or three and a half years. Um, the relations between my wife and I are not very good. Um, the, uh, her conversation between us is very strange. Um, we live in the same house, we sleep in the same bed, but it's very, very difficult. She seems to be numbing out in front of the TV. She's not in recovery, and uh, I sort of hold a resentment against her for that, but uh, at the same time I'm trying to overcome that. But recently I'm finding that uh, um, I can listen to her without being terribly defensive, and that, that is a major milestone for me. Um, and on our holiday recently and uh, just this week, uh, she was able to talk to me because she wanted, she seems to be the one that institutes the, initiates the uh, hard discussions, the heavy discussions, but she was able to share with me the areas where she's hurting and she is hurt desperately. Um, I have hurt her desperately with my acting out and uh, uh, I've been able to acknowledge that I've, what I have done is being wrong and uh, without getting all excited and, and upset about the uh, what she's saying about me and uh, that has always been a major, major problem in our marriage right from the very beginning. So I am very grateful to God for that, what's, what is going on and we've done this without, a, without having a, a, a therapist nearby. I don't know what good that is. Um, my big problem is I don't know how to initiate discussions with her on this same level and uh, because I feel like I am not on the same level as her and she is she is looking at me as a 12 year old boy and I am uh, I need to get on to work with her on the same level uh, a couple other meetings I've been to gave me some suggestions and I need to sort of think about those and process process them but um, I uh, uh, I need to share that because I am uh, it's really struggling in her view uh, our marriage is hanging by a single thread and uh, if I act out again, I'm out of the house, and uh, so I am. It's uh, and I have to let go, and I have to let God look at it, because otherwise I will tear myself. I will tear myself apart in fear. So, thank you. Thank you, sir. My name is Jim, and I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Jim. Uh, I've been in the program for five years. 
and uh, I've, I've have approximately three months of sobriety, uh, continuous sobriety. Um, I want to share uh, how much my internet use has really just devastated my relationship with my wife. Uh, it was my bottom. Uh, I was willing to continue on the internet uh, using pornography uh, through the loss of my job and and. And even that didn't stop me. But when my wife said I couldn't live there anymore if I did it again, that was my bottom. And uh, I realized too that it's it's uh, it's affected my uh, my daughter. Uh, I suspect she might have seen me uh, looking at pornography on the internet uh, five years ago. She was she would have been uh, 13 at the time, and. Uh, to this day, she's got a great deal of anger towards me, and and I do believe that's the source. And how I'm going to uh, make amends to her is 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 something I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, but uh, what what made me realize how how profoundly I have hurt my wife? Uh, initially, she her reaction was that Jim, I cannot compete with this pornography. I cannot compete with it. Uh, and I knew that was the case in terms of uh, satisfying my lust. Um, and uh, even just recently, um, I, I, had, I had purchased this big uh, uh, pastry roller, uh, a professional-sized pastry roller to make bread. And I, I, I noticed that my wife had put it in the, uh, in the uh, uh, dumpster. She, she, she'd thrown it out and... Uh, it made me angry. Uh, you know, why did you? You know, why did you throw it out? And she wouldn't tell me. Uh, so finally, after pestering her and pestering her to, I wouldn't let it go. Uh, she said that she had when she went online to see what I was looking at. <clears throat> you know, that would have been almost five years ago. She uh, she viewed uh, a, a woman using a pastry roller in a pornographic film, a uh, pornographic picture. And that had such a profound effect on her, she could not stand to see that roller in her house. Mm-hmm. And it, it has just made me realize, you know, how, how, how deeply, deeply hurt uh, she, has, she has been by this. And the degree of men, the degree of amends that is required by me is going to really take the rest of my life to to make this up to her. We would we will have been married 21 years in March, and thank God we're still we're still together. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Joe, recovering sexaholic. <laughs> I really appreciate the topic. Um, in this conference, uh, mending the hurt. This is my last meeting for today, and uh, the thing that comes to mind has come to mind for, in terms of the mending the hurt for me, is to um, uh, to not um, <laughs> not to run home after the conference and and uh, talk to my wife about all the things that uh, I'd like to see her do to change. That's what that's the first thing I have to <laughs> to, to not do, um, and. Uh, Gee, I've only been around the rooms for 10, 15 years, so I'm finally getting that. Um, I'm a slow learner, though. You don't have to take that long. Um, and, you know, I laugh about it, and yet that's really what my, my the past has been. I'd come home from a conference and say, we need to do this, and we need to sit down and really work on this together, and uh, all this stuff. And it's like, she'd go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then okay, she might have been thinking, I don't know what she was thinking, you know. I was just like, but uh, we never did it. And and lo and behold, I'd get resentful and, and that and this and she doesn't work a program and who does she think she is? And uh, lo and behold, um, you know, it's like that, you know, drinking poison, right? And feeling you know, and wanting her to uh, die or something like that. I get that mixed up too. So what I'm doing today is I realize in this this conference is I'm mending the hurt for me is is really going back and working working my program and working the steps as they should have been worked in the first place. The best thing I can do for my wife today is to really um, 
is to go back and, and to and to take the steps one step at a time using the uh, using the big book this time in addition to the 12 and 12. I used the 12 and 12 before and thought that, you know, well, I've done it all. And why go back and revisit this stuff? Who wants to do that? Um, and that's what I'm finding. I'm finding that I, I need to... Um, to admit that I'm I'm totally powerless over my wife, and and I can't like someone said I cannot I cannot mend her hurt. Only my higher power, only higher power can take care of her and and give her what she needs. Um, what I need to do is to be honest about my own program, and to be honest with my sponsees. Um, yeah, I have some you know sobriety under my belt and all that good stuff, but yet I there's also a part of me that feels like. Yeah, I, uh, I'm so. But I'm a hypocrite. I'm a liar, and um, and I'm not as um, you know. I'm not as uh, uh, whatever the word is. Um, as I guess I'm sober today, but in terms of progressive victory over lust, I have a lot of work to do. Um, and that's you know that's a tough thing to say. Um, you know, sitting in these these rooms for me to admit that. So uh, that's what I'm going to be doing uh, is to um, to mend to mend the hurts in my family, uh, to go home and to to remember that I'm just as powerless over uh, resentment, uh, anger, rage uh, as I ever was over lust, um, and that I've been and this is another thing I've been a good boy in terms of not acting out. You know, but in terms of a husband and a loving, you know, husband and father, uh, all this other stuff, all these defects of character that I've ignored have really come home to roost, you know, and it, and it's stuck in my head. And, uh, and I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I came into this program in 1990, and um, this stuff has been running me. You know, I've been sexually sober, but um, I'm still crazy. So I'm gonna re, I'm gonna go ahead and, and make a another big stab at this. I'm gonna be uh, working these steps, calling my sponsor and saying, "Look, this is what I need to do. If you can't help me, I'm I'm gonna get another sponsor." Um, I like to fire him. That's what I want to do, darn it. <laughs> so, uh, but I need to surrender that as well. Uh, so anyway, thanks. I'll keep coming back. Thanks. I'm Ben. I'm a sexaholic. I um. I'm a relationship cripple. Um, I have uh, just recently, for the last few years, uh, established a uh, semi-adult relationship with my wife. And uh, that's an amazing way for me to make amends to her, is to not be that uh, little boy looking to her as the bad, not the bad, but actually the strict, disappointed, frustrated mother um, in that dance of shame. We, when, uh, when I got into SA, um, we had been married by then about seven years, and I think that in, in some way, those seven years of um, psychological abuse, uh, verbal abuse, uh, the manipulation, lying, uh, we were so dysfunctional. I was, um, I'll talk about myself, I was so um, inexperienced at having a real relationship we would at the, we'd go to marriage counseling, and if it got too hot in the room, if it got too tense, I'd storm out. And one time I stormed out, and it was the closet that uh, <laughs> I stormed out to. That's how insane. Um, so a lot of the men's have to be about that stuff, not just about my acting out. Um, we got into the program. She got into the program just about the same time as I did. She works a very strong program. And uh, an amazing thing evolved where as she was working her program, she was going through her own pain, um, deep pain. She had this ritual almost that she would wake up at 2, 3 in the morning um, in, in terror, fear, terror, shame. Oh, well, not shame, but fear, terror, and a lot of stuff she was going through. And, um, you know, she would say, are you awake? <laughs> you know? And uh, I was awake now. And uh, she would go on probably, uh, you know, 20 minutes, an hour. And I would just listen. And I don't know where I got the advice from, but I would just listen. And then at the end, I would say, can I get you a glass of water? And um, 
that's how it was easier for me. Maybe it was it was doable for me because she wasn't in pain about me in those moments. If she was in pain about me, I, I couldn't have heard it. I would have jumped out the bed of the window. I couldn't stay for that. Um, that gets back to our dance of shame stuff that I had to separate. And then being in um, group therapy for a while, um, people were saying to me, you have to end this dance of shame. And I would not be able to hear them because that's all I know is trying to get away with things. That's all I know. So if I uh, confront this dance of shame, whatever, and now she doesn't like it, then uh, I can lose the family. And if I can lose the family, then, then hey, it's easy for you to tell me to stop this dance of shame. Um, but the, the amazing thing was I learned how to communicate in a way which not the dance of shame, which is I would say to my wife, um, I'm open for your feelings, not your direction. Or I'm open for your feelings, not your criticism. Um, and I would say it in that tone. And then, uh, and, and you know, the amazing thing was it took very little time for her to start to admire me for that. Because she was working her program, maybe. But it was such a big relief for her not to have to be my mother. It's very scary for my wife to have to take that role. She's alone. I have five children. She has six. And one of them is a real special needs. It's me. And that's what I'm doing. I'm putting her in that position, you know. So um, I can tell you, after um, about five, six years ago, I ended up uh, acting out in a way where I betrayed her in a deep, deep way. Deep way. It was with a friend of hers. And we've been through so much together that today we actually moved to a different country. Um, and we're working together. And you know what? It's actually okay. It's working. And the way I know that is because she's okay with it. Thank you. Can I have a couple more minutes? Mm -hmm. No one else is ready to share. I'm Brian. I'm a sexaholic. I want to address the questions that you brought up. Um, I'm sorry I didn't do that earlier. Um, I should have read the abstract again just before I started. Um, I'm going to talk about marriage from my faith tradition point of view because to me that's what marriage really is. It's a uh, it's a joining together. Um, uh, I believe a, a marriage is more spiritual and emotional than it is physical. I mean, we can't be physically together all the time, but we are emotionally and spiritually linked. Um, the My book of faith tradition says the two shall become one flesh. And we really become one with each other emotionally, spiritually, as well as physically. So my body no longer belongs to just me, belongs to her too, and her body does not belong to just her, it belongs to me too. Uh, later in, the, in my book, A Faith Tradition, it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery, and thou shalt not want thy neighbor's wife. Uh, so coveting and adultery are are major commandments being broken, but I think the most important one is idolatry and making an idol out of the female body. Uh, it's really bringing an evil into myself that affects her um, by joining with the evil, by letting that evil in. Um, it It really, really hurts her deeply without her consent at all because she's part of me and I'm part of her after I make a spiritual connection with the dark side with the evil I'm just not the same person and I can't be the same person in the relationship it just I take something in there that is just so 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 negative and she can tell right away so that's why it hurts her thanks thanks Ron Good morning. I'm Joe, and I'm a sexaholic. I've been in the program 11 years, uh, but I only have about 45 days sobriety right now, and I had almost 10 years previously to that. Um, my MO is I have a history of affairs, and there really aren't any ways I can make amends anymore. I've made them over and over and over again, and uh, this time uh, I've, 
I'm moving out of the house actually Tuesday. I'm, I'm moving into an apartment. My wife, you know, finally, um, you know, gave me a consequence, and I have to live by it. And I knew that it was the consequence, but this disease was just too powerful for me. Um, there are no amends I can make anymore. I've, I've bought things. I've, you know, I've said I'm sorry a thousand times, and it doesn't mean anything anymore. Uh, the only thing left now is to, uh, you know, a living amends to prove to her. And I don't know if we're going to get back together. I really don't. Um, and, and, but that's okay right now because I need to work this program for me. I've got to figure this out, why I've done what I've done. Um, so the only amends I can make now to any of them, my family, who I've, you know, my daughter and her family, I've, I've hurt them ter terribly. My wife, I've hurt terribly. The only amends I can make is a living amends to try and prove to them that I am changing, that I am taking care of myself. Um, I was in a program recently, uh, and nobody's ever said this before to me. Nobody's ever said this. They, the counselor said, hurt people hurt people. And I, I don't know what that means because I don't know where I was hurt or how I was hurt. So, you know, when I saw the topic, mending the hurt, I thought of that comment. And I need to mend the hurt in me first, find out how I was hurt, why I was hurt, why I am hurt, and then why I use that to hurt people. Um, so I'm going to try and live this program. I've recommitted to this program uh, fully. And... Uh, I'm going to continue to work to try and figure out the hurt, mend the hurt in me first, so I can mend the hurt in a lot of the other people that I've uh, that I've caused that pain too. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks for sharing. Hi, I'm Sal, a recovering sexaholic. Um, you know what's funny? I did not look at the description of this either. I've been looking at the little cheat sheet. And it said, um, I guess, uh, healing the hurt. And I just figured it was about me. And uh, uh, in this, in the true spirit of uh, essay. Um, and uh, when you know, listening to everybody, um, I'm I'm very uh, blessed. I uh, I put my wife through unthinkable things over the years, and. Uh, and we're still married 31 years. And um, I have two children. They're grown now, married. Um, and uh, it was last year that I actually disclosed what, not in detail, but I told them what had been going on in my life. And, um, and they were very supportive of me. And um, I... Uh, I have learned something that has been very powerful, and this is something that um, it, it, it's taken a very long time to learn intimacy. And intimacy with me and my wife, emotional intimacy, has been very difficult. Um, and with my son, not so much my daughter, um, but one of the things I've learned that's been very powerful is uh, saying, will you forgive me? And um, my kids uh, comment on that a lot um, because I make so many mistakes and I really can be a real jerk. And uh, and I have to go back and say, I haven't done my ninth step. I've only been in the program um, not quite two years. Um, but um, I've been making amends, if you will. And um, I found that being able to say, um, uh, I'm sorry. And my wife now, um, my wife also has kind of uh, heard all the I'm sorry's and whatever. But if I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I blew that. I, I meant to say, if I can say, will you forgive me? Um, it seems to be uh, work a lot better because uh, she's heard all the I'm sorry's and it, it's very hollow now. Um, but it's, um, uh, I just wanted to share that because uh uh, sometimes it, it's good to um, see where God has uh, taken me, and uh, sometimes I, I don't believe I'm as grateful as I need to be. When I hear other people and hear their stories, um, I know so many guys that uh, who are not living with their wives now, and um, in our meetings, and it, it, it really hurts. You know, it, uh, I feel for them. I, I have that empathy. Uh, 
because I don't know why I'm still with my wife. She should have left me. And I wouldn't have blamed her if she did. But um, anyway, I, I do feel grateful today, and I thank God for that. Thanks for letting me share. Uh, good morning. My name is John. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, John. Uh, me too. I came into this meeting uh, thinking more in terms of my of my own recovery uh, and the harm I've done to myself, and it's legitimate um, because I've I've learned that if I don't have myself, I don't have anything to give. Um, I've also learned, like when I came into the program for years, what I would hear in my mind, what I was hearing was get over it uh, and get on. Um, problem was, I didn't know what I was trying to get over. And somebody, somebody said it earlier, hurt people, uh, people who are hurt, hurt other people. Um, and I heard that in therapy. Now when I, when I say it here, let me, let me uh, say this. The therapist I went to was in the program. He was a sexaholic. And there are other therapists in the program. If if anyone finds a therapist who says anything counter to this program to a sexaholic, run from that therapist. Do not walk. Run screaming from that therapist and tell any sexaholic you know what he told you. Um, But until... I realized the hurt that I that I experienced and was passing on to others didn't make any sense really. The, the it wasn't complete. The example I can use is and thinking of self forgiveness. When I go to confession, when I come out and I feel close to God and I want to pray, the first prayer that automatically comes into my mind is the act of contrition. I've just done that. I've just come out and 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 spoken with, and confessed to the priest and been absolved, and I still have the guilt with me. Uh, I've got to get over that guilt. I've got to work on my my character defects. It's the character defects that drove the lust. And and the other thing I wanted to share, I've learned. I am a co. I am not only am I codependent. I am an an anon. I am more an alanon than I am an anon. Most of the harm from the anon side that, that I experienced was was emotional, and it was from the alanon side. There was, but there were some slight uh, anons uh, situations as well. But when I hear the the, the anons talk. Like, like it was really interesting. I don't think they explained or introduced when it, the first dinner meeting, which was the uh, Sanon and which was the Alanon. And I've heard, I've had Sanons tell me this too. Um, when I hear the Sanon speak, I have a hard time seeing the difference. And I've had Sanons tell me this: there really is no difference. It's just two sides of the same coin. Um, so I guess that's what I had to share. Thank you. Thanks for sharing, John. Good morning. My name is Kevin. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I've only been coming to SA for about maybe two months now, and um, I'm, I've only been sexually sober for about two weeks, and. Um, <clears throat> I've been married about 20 years now, and um, I caused a lot of harm or a lot of damage to my wife. Um, you know, when we first got married, I uh, sustained from from acting out and lusting, and uh, I made a connection with my wife uh, for a couple months. Um, she had no idea about my addiction, my problem, and um, so I let her into a false sense that that uh, I was a loving, caring, connecting kind of guy. And over time, I got back into my addiction, and um, I started breaking that connection with her, and uh, started building the resentments, and you know, of course, blaming her, and uh, it was all because it was all her fault. And uh, but anyway, um, you know, it was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, this is 
the age before the internet, so um, a lot of my acting out was in secrecy, you know, locking myself in the bathroom for an hour or two uh, in the closet, wherever, in the attic, and hiding the material and stuff. Um, when the age of the internet came along, it opened up a whole new avenue for me. I mean, just just hours and hours and hours and hours, and that's, that's pretty much what it came down to. You know, I disconnected from her and my daughter, from, from that's all I really wanted to do, and um, I, uh, I had gotten caught a few times by my wife, uh, by my daughter. Um, it made it very difficult for my daughter to have friends over the house. And, um, you know, I started, I started really regressing because it was, it was shameful for me. But on the other hand, I couldn't stop. I, I just, I had to keep doing it. Um, the problem I'm finding now with this, um, with, with the hurt now that I'm, I'm in the program, I hear, um, about uh, uh, you know, uh, one of the ways of showing amends is by just changing my habits and being a better person. And you know, as a self-centered person, I took that to my own uh, my own understanding and decided that uh, I don't. I'm afraid to to make amends to them because it, that what it comes down to is feelings. That um, you know, my wife treats me like a child. Uh, she told me that um, a week before I came to SA, I bought a book on uh, a sexual addiction, and and uh, I made the mistake of running to her and saying, "This is my one of my problems. This is what's wrong with me." And I thought, "Wow, I did something great." And she's going to run into S and on, and she's going to want to go to recovery together. And about a week later, she says to me, "I'm glad you told me that because I thought back of all the things that you did, and you stand the hair up on the back of my neck." And she goes, "You make my skin crawl." And I just felt like this small, you know, and it backfired. And um, so anyway, I, I've learned, I'm learning now that how much hurt I've, I've given her and my daughter. My daughter is so angry. She won't talk to me. Um, and I feel like, you know, it's up to them. You know, they should go get into uh, SNN or something. And it's not my responsibility that, that I don't want to take that responsibility for the hurt because I'll have to go through those feelings and emotions. And, uh, and I know that I have to do that. But, um, you know, I just had a recent incident where, um, where I, I haven't been uh, on the Internet or acting out, and my wife and daughter went out, and they came home early, and I got caught. And, uh, and the worst part about it was the next day I made plans to do something with my daughter, which she hasn't want anything to do with me in a long time and it's the night before I do this and I get caught by my daughter and now she just totally disgusted with me and won't talk to me so um, I'm just grateful for being here and, I, and I'm, I'm trying to be very open minded about this thank you for letting me share thanks for sharing hi I'm Eric and I'm a sexaholic and, uh, I also wanted to share some of my own experience on this uh, I've had some very concrete things happen in my recovery in this mending the hurt. Uh, my wife and I were married for 30 years when uh, she left me, and she left me over all of the sexaholic stuff that I had done. Uh, she moved to live with her mother uh, 600 miles away, and uh, and I went to therapy and I went to SA, and uh, and my therapist when I first met him, he says, well, have you talked with her? And I said, well, no. <laughs> she was really angry. And, uh, and he says, well, you have to keep talking with her. He says, you are still husband, even though she's left. Oh, okay. So I called her, and she hung up on me. And, and I went back to him the next week, and I said, well, I tried that, and it didn't work. And he says, yes, it did. He says, do it again. He says, keep calling her. And so I started calling her, and eventually I started calling her every single day, and they were very painful phone calls. Uh, boy, she was so angry, and, uh, and the anger would come out time and time again in all sorts of ways. Uh, we'd be having a conversation about something real, and it would seem to be going well, and all of a sudden it would flash her anger, and, and she'd be yelling at me and hang up on me again. And gradually, gradually over months, the... Uh, the anger stopped, and we really started talking. And it was seven months later that she uh, invited me to rejoin her. And so we were separated for seven months. When I rejoined her, I faced new problems. Uh, and I have really come to realize that, uh, I can't remember who told me this, but the word husband is also a verb. 
animal husbandry, we husband our resources. Well, I husband my wife now. It's an active thing that I do. And particularly in relation to the Internet, it's now eight years later, and yet still some of the practices I've had to learn I do. Uh, when she steps into my home office and I'm working on the computer, I take my hand off the mouse and I turn my chair to face her. It's a little thing, and yet it's an incredibly important thing because there were way too many times before when she'd step into my home office and I would convulsively reach for the mouse to close that window on the screen. And sometimes the action was so obvious that there would be this jump in me that she knew exactly what I was doing. And so I don't do that anymore. I take my hand off the mouse and I turn to her. And I do little things around the house, uh, little things of... It's almost trivial buying flowers. I don't do it every day, but I do it every once in a while. I just put flowers on the table. I don't ask her. I don't hand them to her. I just put them in a vase and put them on the table. Uh, I clean the kitchen. I clean the floors in the house. I, I pay attention to my wife, and I husband my wife. I can't possibly amend all the hurt of 30 years of marriage. can't possibly do it. But what I can do is live as a good husband for the next 30 years of our life. And living as a good husband is not a way of fixing the problems, but it's a way of making things right now. Right, so that's what I had to share. And uh, uh, I'd like to thank the speaker, Vron, and all the participants for sharing their experience of strength and hope. And uh, I've been listening, and it says here, let me summarize a few of the recovery ideas I've heard from others, and they sort of reinforce what I have heard about myself and understood from myself. I heard about uh, paying attention to your wife, paying attention to your kids, and consciously taking that time to give them my attention. I heard about uh, ending the cycle of shame. And, and, of course, I can't do that in myself. The only way I end the cycle of shame is by working the steps and finding out what that shame is. And, and I'm not a strong believer in ending the cycle of shame through therapy means. I am a strong believer in doing it through the steps because, for me, the steps have worked. And uh, many of the shames that I used to carry, I do not carry anymore. And that's a gift from God. Uh, and another thing that I heard from others was to uh, was to take the actions myself. What's our, a white book says, take the actions of love. But really to take the actions in myself rather than trying to get the people around me to change. Even, even the subtle thing of, well, let's you and me change uh, doesn't seem to work very well. I have to do it myself. I have to take the actions. And in my taking those actions, the others in my family will help to heal and they'll join me better. Uh, so that's things that I've carried away from this meeting and I really appreciate it and I thank all of you for sharing. And uh, remember that this is an anonymous program. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The stories you hear are told in confidence and should not be repeated outside. Please keep any names, addresses, or phone numbers you learn about an essay to yourself. And what we say here, let it stay here. After a moment of silence for the sick and suffering inside and outside these rooms, let's uh, close with the third step prayer. And let's join in a circle if we can.
keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it. You'll work it, it won't if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the questions, but all the answers are on the table. Uh, Dr. Stone was at page 419 and 421. He's talking about maths. He's got to treat her like another I don't. That's from the so conference. I just like the group. I just like it. Oh, this last one right here. Uh, uh, most, of the, most of these words are in the white Are they? Yeah. In the back of the white He's got a lot of what you just said. The, in the back of the white book is a new format. It's got most of those words, but not quite exactly that. Right. Always Well, why don't you grab one, go up to the uh, conference room up there, and ask if you can keep it. Okay. Uh, we're done here, so take that. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. was this was the last meeting. Okay, great. So, they might be wanting to conserve those, but go up to the conference room, you know where that is? Up on the third floor, the first room on the right, right if you go from the hospitality room toward the main room, the first room on the right is for the conference committee. Thank you very much. That is a great share. I'm concerned about you. I heard you share and heard that you acted out again recently. What's going on? Yes. Well, well, there's this one guy who I once met at Sunday, and this was probably like 1993 or thereabouts. And this guy has always occupied the place in my mind. Um, even when I came into SA and I had that pink cloud, the first year and a half when I would get up in the uh, he would, I would imagine myself next to him, uh, get sexually aroused and then take it as far as I could before I felt that I was going too far and I would recite the third step prayer. Recite the third step prayer. Oh, I'm not stop now. Right. Um, and so I got a year and a half, and then I had this unusual wet dream, which happened like 20 minutes after I fell back to sleep. It scared me, and I ran the first step. Um, but recently, this guy has been coming up in my mind. Um, one year ago, it was a different guy who had come up to me. Um, The other thing I think is, that's, uh, I think, I think this would be worthwhile mentioning is the first two slips that I had was uh, one was after three and a half years, so gold technical spraying. Then after another two years. Um, after each one of those, it was hard to come back. The second one was harder to come back than the first because I got scared, terrified. That made it harder to come back, but I took the attitude of all hands battle stations. I got to meetings every day. The third slip that I had back in, after four years, so instead of being in March of 2005, somehow I took the attitude of instead of being scared, I said to myself, right after that slip, it's all right, I'll be all right. And it made it easier to, it made the getting back on track easier, but the periods of Sprite were, have been a lot shorter since then. There were a couple of months, uh, three months. Um, and these most recent slips that I've had, um, it's like, The results are it's like more comfortable. Afterwards, I still get into fog. Um, but it occurred to me that hey, it's um, starting to reach a point where 
um, slipping is comfortable and right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I realized that I better rework my first step. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.